This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. are listening live to your favorite health and wellness radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your willing and able host, Dr. Carissa. I hope you all are having a fabulous morning today. We started the show off with a different version of Happy by Pharrell Williams. And I like that. That's one of my favorite songs it, because you can't listen to it and not be happy, right? So I hope that you all are having a fabulous, fabulous morning here. We are today going to continue our discourse on self-care because we started that last week with our first show of the year. And and as I stated, I was going to dedicate all of the shows this month to self-care in one form or fashion. And so let's get started. Let's get into it, right? So as we always do, we start with our shout out. Shout out to my number one fan and avid listener, my mom. Hey mom, I hope that you are having a terrific Thursday morning. Uh, And shout out, I'm going to give a shout out to my dad too, because he um, recently lost his sister. And so of course, you know, we have been praying for him, praying for our family uh, and, uh, and all of that. And so just give him a little uplift um, this morning that he has an extra angel on his side today. All righty. Shout out to family in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Ladson, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Pensacola, Florida, Center, Alabama, Chesapeake, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Centerville, Virginia, Columbia, South Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona, San Antonio, Texas, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Opelika, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, Newport News, Virginia, Temecula, California, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, College Park, Georgia, Hobbs, New Mexico, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Oxford, North Carolina, Woodbridge, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Hampton, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Memphis, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, Baltimore, Maryland, Belize City, Belize, and Greenwood, Mississippi. As always, we 
are thankful for all of these cities that have listeners that are tuning in. And please, please, please go to our Facebook page. We are live there now. Um, Go to our Facebook page and let us know where you are listening from. And I am happy to add your city to our shout out list for next week. As I said earlier, we are broadcasting live from our WWWE Real 1100 AM studio here in Atlanta. You can stream this show uh, by uh, on, the, on the internet, www.real1100.com. You can listen to WWWE Real 1100 AM on your radio. And you can watch this show. We are streaming live on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Uh, You can catch this rebroadcast. It rebroadcasts on air several times throughout the week. Um, But also on our Facebook page, um, this will be put there. And so you can go back to it and refresh at any point in time that you want, right? So we are a proud part of the Old Fashioned Health Network, and this show also streams on their Facebook page. And also, uh, back in September, we joined the 22.3 Takeover Vegas radio family, broadcasting out of Las Vegas, Nevada. And so we are um, a part of that network as well. And this show broadcasts out of Nevada on Sundays. So we are broadcasting live in Atlanta on Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and broadcasting out of Las Vegas on Sundays at at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, which is noon Eastern Standard Time. So you can catch the show on Thursdays and on Sundays. Sometimes it's the same show. Sometimes it's different. Got to keep y'all on your toes, right? All righty. Please follow us on social media. On Facebook, we are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. On Instagram, at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And on Twitter, at Minutes Doctor. So, of course, keeping with our announcement, your favorite health and wellness show, this one, has been nominated for some awards from uh, the third annual Radio Awards, sponsored by 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio. We are nominated for Favorite Talk Show, People's Choice Award, Radio Personality of the Year, The Lit Award, Best New Radio Personality, Team Spirit Award, Sexiest Radio Voice, and Favorite Variety Show. You can vote and show your support for this, and you can vote every day, all day, any day. Uh, Text CARISA, C-A-R-I-S-A, to 702-872-1080. Voting is still open. Uh, The award ceremony is happening the first weekend in April, I believe it is. Um, And I think you can vote like right up until March 31st or something like that. So please feel free to do that. We would love to win one award or a whole sweep would be like extra awesome. Um, But any support that we have, you know, it's it's an honor to be nominated. It really is since we are new to the the radio um, radio scene. So, you know, it's it's really an honor to be nominated. Um, But winning is good, too. Just saying. So support your girl. Vote for me. Appreciate it. All righty. Let's go right into our COVID update. So worldwide, we are at 312 million cases, which since last week's numbers that we reported, um, we've increased, there There has been an increase, excuse me, of 13 million cases around the world. So not tremendously um, 
bad in terms of the number of um, of cases, you know, and the rate of increase. But of course, you know, all of those um, cases represents a person uh, and, and a family that has been impacted and hopefully not too negatively so. Uh, and worldwide, there have been 5.5 million deaths. In the United States, 61 million cases, and that's up 6 million uh, since last week, and uh, 833.5 thousand deaths. In terms of vaccine, there have been 502.6 thousand vaccine doses administered, which is an uptick from last week of 15,000. So that's great. Keep doing this because I think if we all can get vaccinated, then we cannot be concerned about these variants um, because, of course, um, as this infection spreads and mostly it's spreading in our unvaccinated population, um, but as it spreads, the potential for new variants um, is, is there and every new variant comes with a new level of risk, either um, more contagion, and so it spreads faster, um, or more virulence, meaning that it makes more people sick and more severely ill when they are sick, and that is definitely what we don't want. And so, of course, um, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and Dr. Carissa herself extends uh, our deepest sympathies and condolences to those who have been lost um, during this pandemic. In vaccine news, so every week I, I seek to give you all um, just a little something that may or may not be reported in the mainstream media. And I came across this story about Cuba. So, of course, you know, with the relations between the United States and Cuba, we don't really hear a lot about what goes on in that country. But I will tell you um, from what what little I know of it, their healthcare system is is quite extraordinary. And hence this article. Cuba has successfully produced five COVID-19 vaccines, um, which reportedly have an upwards of 90% efficacy, meaning protection, um, against the virus when it is administered in three doses. So this is a, uh, these vaccines were developed in Cuba uh, and, and used and studied in Cuba and used on their citizens. Cuba has vaccinated a greater percentage of its population than almost any country in the world. Uh, and considering that Cuba has been under uh, embargo uh, from the United States, so a lot of uh, goods and services um, are hard to come by there um, because of, of these embargoes and such, um, that, you know, that they have been able to develop this, this vaccine successfully. Um, it's pretty amazing. So only the United Arab Emirates has vaccinated a greater percentage um, of their population, of their citizens. So looking at their numbers, because when we talk about a greater number, um, so they have to date vaccinated 86% of the Cuban population. So of course, you know, just kind of going back, we talk about herd immunity. So that's when enough members of a community have been vaccinated to protect those who, for whatever reason, are not or cannot be vaccinated. We talk about 70 to 80 percent being that benchmark. Well, they have surpassed that. Um, so technically speaking, uh, Cuba has attained herd immunity. 
which is something that not many countries on this planet have been able to do. So 86% fully vaccinated, while another 7% have been partially vaccinated. So they are, you know, pushing up upwards of, you know, 90% or greater that have had at least a partial vaccination, which is incredible. Um, and this is inclusive of all Cubans aged two years old and up. So including their children, um, you know, they are, are, you know, putting up these numbers. So now I will say about their vaccine, um, it is a different type of vaccine um, from the mRNA vaccine that we have here being the Pfizer, Moderna, <clears throat> excuse me, and Johnson and Johnson products. Their vaccine is a subunit protein vaccine. And I'm going to do a little bit of research because I have not heard of this type of vaccine. So I'm going to do a little bit of research and we can report on that next time. But in being a subunit protein vaccine, it is uh, cheaper to produce, uh, can be manufactured to scale, so you can get large quantities done very quickly. Uh, and it doesn't require the deep freeze storage that um, our vaccine products here, particularly um, the Pfizer and Moderna um, products require. And so with the Pfizer and Moderna product, that has been um, a barrier to getting the vaccine more widespread because they require a special temperature, like a really, really, really cold temperature that's more than what a standard freezer could do. And so, you know, in order to store this vaccine, you have to have this particular equipment. And when you're talking about, you know, out in rural areas or remote areas, um, of course, they don't necessarily have that. So it makes having that product there um, somewhat challenging, just to be honest. So, you know, going back to Cuba, so this development of this vaccine um, and its reported success could have an incredible significance in getting the vaccine to developing nations um, who, again, can't, can't afford this deep freeze um, that some of these products require. Um, but of course, getting it to developing nations requires a WHO, a World Health Organization, um, approval. So now with the studies that they have um, produced in Cuba, um, these studies have not been peer reviewed on an international scale. Um, so, you know, I guess you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, but, you know, the numbers, um, the numbers don't lie with, you know, their number of cases and number of deaths. And here we are. So their daily case average they have about 2,000 cases per day, um, and this is a tenfold increase compared to the end of December, and they are saying that this is due to the Omicron variant. So, you know, we are at, um, I don't know, 100,000, 150,000 cases per day. Now, since the pandemic started, Cuba has had 982.6 thousand cases so they'd have not even had a million cases yet uh, and they have had only 8.3 thousand deaths so not even 10,000 deaths um, since the pandemic has begun which is incredible um, now granted the population of Cuba is 11 million and so you know of course you have to look at 
um, you know, look at that for scale because, of course, some American cities have more than 11 million people uh, in them, some cities. Um, and so, you know, but the fact that they haven't even gotten like not even 10 percent of their population has been infected, um, you know, it's, it says something, you know, the numbers don't lie. So they are doing something right there. So I, you know, dug a little bit deeper and decided that I wanted to know why their efforts have been so successful, because I think that that is something that we can learn from, right? So number one, they have mandatory masking. So, and and they have to be the tight fitting. And when they describe tight fitting, I imagine they are um, describing their N95 or KN95 mask. So none of this cloth mask, you know, because I've seen them you know, here, and they're, you know, very pretty and and very fashionable, um, but less effective in terms of being a proper um, barrier there. So they've been wearing, wearing the proper masks, and everybody has to wear it. It's mandatory everywhere, so it's not an option, and it's not about your personal rights and all of that other stuff that we come up with here. Um, They have an incredible public health system also, Uh, that provides access to care all of the time, but particularly during this pandemic, um, even in the most rural and remote areas. So, you know, they, they tout having, you know, a family doctor almost on every block, right? So, you know, all of their citizens have access to care and access to the same level of care um, there. And the last thing, you know, it speaks to the cultural, um, environment that is there, that there is little to no, quote unquote, vaccine hesitancy um, there because there obviously there can't be if 86 percent of your population is is fully vaccinated, then everybody, um, however they have made that happen, everybody is on board. Right. So so those are are some keys to their success. So talking further about the new guidelines from the CDC uh, because I think I touched on this a little bit last week um, about um, the changes in how long you needed to quarantine and and so on and so forth so here we go Um, because apparently this has been uh, a source of a little bit of confusion so starting off so you have to count day one as the day that you were exposed to your source if you know that right so if you know you've been let's say at work and your co-worker was sick you know that day that you were around them and that you knew that they were positive that is your day one so that that's very very important because um, and it also is challenging and somewhat problematic because a lot of us that um, have been infected or exposed don't necessarily know when or where this has happened to you, right? Um, you know, some do, but, you know, of course, if you go to a, a large gathering and, you know, and I'm going to speak to um, the national championship football game, congratulations to UGA, by the way, go dogs. Um, I was watching that on TV and when they, you know, pan through the crowd, Hardly anybody, you know, they were packed to capacity. I imagine that this was a sold out event and hardly anyone was wearing a mask and they were shoulder to shoulder 
and yelling and screaming for their their teams, you know, for the time. So if 10 people in that crowd were positive, how would you know unless they were in your group? Right. So, you know, hopefully not, but quite possibly we're going to have some, you know, some COVID positivity as a result um, of those people who attended uh, that that event there. But anyway, so if you are exposed to COVID and you have been fully vaccinated and fully vaccinated is three doses. So your two initial doses plus your booster. Uh, The CDC is recommending no quarantine unless you are symptomatic. Uh, They recommend that you get tested at least five days after that contact, if you know what that contact is. And then they want you to watch for your symptoms for 10 days. And then, of course, if you become symptomatic, to test again and then, um, you know, isolate and and seek treatment um, based upon that. And, of course, wear your mask. If you are exposed to COVID and you are not fully vaccinated, so you have either had no vaccine, one dose, or even two doses, um, they recommend that you stay home and quarantine for five days. Uh, Wear a mask if you must be around others in your home uh, to keep from spreading, potentially spreading it to your loved ones in your home. They recommend that you test at least five days after your last close contact. So after that day one, um, if you know when you might have been exposed, watch for your symptoms for 10 days, avoid travel and avoid being around high risk persons. That's not confusing at all, is it right? But anyway, it is what it is, and we're going to make the best out of it. So we are going to take a quick break. This segment has been brought to you by Freeman Moore Medical Consultants, your premier disability consultation service, and they can be reached at www.freemanmoremedical.com. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we'll be right back after a break. Are your pet's vaccinations up to date? Just for Pets Wellness Center can help keep your pets protected from fleas, ticks, heartworms, and other nasty bugs with the latest parasite detection and prevention programs available. We offer parasite screening and prevention to the most advanced topical and chewable medications. Using our online pharmacy is affordable, safe, convenient, and provides home delivery. Visit our website for more information at www.justthenumber4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. Welcome back. Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and this is your favorite health and wellness radio show. 
Alrighty, so as we said earlier, this month we are dedicating our shows to learning and teaching about self-care, what it is, what it isn't, why it's important, and how to do it. And so, you know, we started last week with just a brief introduction um, about self-care, and so I'm going to recap just a few points from last week, and then we're going to move into um, our new information about what self-care is, right? And so the best definition that I found that I I liked. Uh, self-care is a multi-dimensional, multifaceted process of purposeful engagement in strategies that promote healthy functioning and enhance well-being. I like this, as I said, I like this because it is all-encompassing of the complexity um, of, of self-care. Um, because as I as I said last week, you know, for me, self-care was before I learned more self-care was just getting my nails done, you know, maybe getting a massage every now and again, which those are good things. Mani pedis and massages are good things. Um, but self-care is so much more than that. And so, you know, so knowing that we're going to kind of take a dive week by week into this multi-dimensional, multi-purposeful uh, process of self-care. But before we get into today's uh, information, let's talk about what self-care is not. Self-care is not self-indulgence. It is not selfishness. And so, you know, that may be an obstacle that you may come against from your own heart and from your own mind that maybe I shouldn't be doing this for myself or taking this time for myself because there are other things that I could be doing. And this is true. There are other things that you could be doing because many of us are husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and work jobs and have friends and hobbies and all of these things that pull us in all of the different directions. However, as I said, you cannot pour from an empty cup. And so what self-care is, at least for me, it is the opportunity to restore myself so that I can in turn give my best self to all of the things that I am obligated to. Because if you are not well, you really cannot be of help to anyone else. And that wellness is physical wellness. It is mental wellness. It is spiritual wellness. It is also financial wellness. And, you know, as we um, always have our friends from Northwestern Mutual will talk with us about financial self-care um, in, in the coming weeks. Self-care is also not overindulgence. Um, and, you know, I am somewhat guilty of this, of saying that I deserve X, Y, and Z. And that is always my excuse for doing something that is a little bit extra. Um, and so, you know, I have to, my, in myself, just talking about me, have to kind of pull back from, from that overindulgence, right? Self-care should not be stress-inducing. There is so much information out about self-care, how to do it, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, um, that it can become overwhelming. So we're going to knock down that part um, in our information this month. So that way we are not stressing ourselves out in pursuit of making ourselves better. There we go. And self-care does not have to be a major production because there are very, very small steps that can have profound meaning uh, and can help us on our journey to become our better selves. And this most certainly self-care is a journey. It isn't a, 
a, a one-stop shop. It isn't a one-time thing and poof, you're just better, right? Um, this is a thing that happens over time and over as much time as you want it to because this is self, so this is you. You are in charge. So why is self-care important? Given the rise that we've seen during this pandemic um, of mental health in particular, and I'm just going to speak to just that, and also, well, I'll speak to some physical health as well, um, you know, that during the pandemic, there has been a sharp increase in anxiety and depression and isolation, right? Um, some of our physical ailments have gotten worse um, because of a lot of a lot of different reasons, you know, there have been some access issues um, because, of course, when we um, when everything shut down for for that short time, um, you know, a lot of screening uh, studies weren't available. So a lot of cancer screenings, for example, um, just your general physicals uh, were not available. And so a lot of us got behind in the management of our health. And during that time, unfortunately, some things um, got worse because we didn't have access to um, to getting to those um, services that we needed. So, you know, the need is apparent just based just because of that in and of itself. The need for self-care um, is is very much so apparent. Um, and many practices of self-care have been linked to longevity and positive health outcomes as well. I did not know that until, until I did this research. So for example, exercise is supportive of both physical and mental self-care. So, and also self-care focuses us or forces us rather to, to pay attention to our own well-being, right? Because, you know, a lot of times I know, you know, like how I was raised, um, to think, to not think of yourself first, right? To share and, and do all those good things that you should do to be a good citizen and a good part of, a good uh, attribute to your community. Um, but when we are talking about self-care, you kind of have to be a little self-centered in thinking about what you need and what you don't need. And so when we are actively engaged in the, in the practice of self-care, um, you know, we must do these frequent little little check-ins, right? Um, so we have to pay attention to our well-being. How does this particular activity make me feel? Is it draining me or is it restoring me? Um, and, and one of the things that I have um, adopted that I, I, I put into my mind and, you know, I try not to tell people this because it sounds kind of rude, um, and maybe it totally is, but whatever. Um, the things in my life are either faucets or drains. Things that come from faucets fill me up and restore me. And things that are drains take away from me. Now, sometimes the drain is taking away negative things, which is good. Um, but sometimes, and most of the time in my case... Uh, the things that have been drains have drained me emotionally and mentally and physically and spiritually and have left me empty. So, you know, and I'm sure that there are a lot of you out there um, who have faucets and have drains and self-care will force you to evaluate all of the things that are in your life as either one or the other. 
And then you can make some decisions as to how you go forward in dealing with each of those things. So the following self-care practices have been well-researched and have been linked to um, longevity and, and better living. Um, exercise, that one's an obvious one because that is going to improve your physical and mental uh, health and well-being. Uh, and finding purpose. So, you know, if you are participating with a charity or volunteering in some way, um, that tends to add a meaningful purpose um, to your day to day and gives you something to look forward to if this is not something that you can practice every day. But in every day, you can find some purpose, um, you know, some act of kindness, something that you can can do to make yourself feel better. Healthy eating, which goes right into the exercise and, and adopting a, a healthier lifestyle. Prioritizing sleep. Um, and, you know, when I was doing this research and, and found this about sleep, I decided that I'm going to pull from our archives um, the show that we did with Dr. Julie Grant about sleep and, and replay that. Um, because she gave some very good tips and we had a really great conversation about sleep and how to get good sleep. Um, because how many of us, and I'm going to raise my hand, have gone to bed and slept for hours and you wake up just as tired as when you went to bed. So you went to sleep, but you didn't get any rest. So, you know, we have to, to do better in, in getting ourselves good quality sleep. And then also just the, the simple fact of getting outside. And, you know, for me, you know, I am not an outdoorsy kind of girl because, you know, bugs and, and stuff kind of bother me. Um, but I do like to get outside and take my mask off when I'm not around people and just breathe the fresh air. And especially now that it is cooler that cool, crisp air just really just getting, you know, a good deep breath in just really makes me feel better. And then I put my mask back on and come back in and do whatever it is that I have to do inside. But just that little bit of a break, um, just that little bit of a break in having that fresh air in your lungs is is a, a great thing. So how do we start our self-care routine, right? So the first thing you have to do is to assess your needs because self-care is very, very personal because this is for you and it is about you. So you have to assess what your needs are. And at this point, I'm going to encourage you to be extremely honest, like almost brutally honest with yourself, right? Because if you are not honest with yourself, then you are not going to adopt the best self-care strategies for you. Um, and, you know, the FOMO thing comes into, and I'm going to talk about that in, in just a minute. Um, you Number two, you have to consider your stressors. Again, everybody has different, different levels that will push that button. For some people, it is their jobs. For some people, it is their kids. For some people, it is their spouses. Um, for some people, it is their finances. And for some people, it's all of these things that they are just juggling all of these stressors all the time and never able to just kind of decompress. Number three, develop self-care strategies. 
So how are you going to mitigate your stress? Because you can't eliminate everything that causes you stress, right? Because life is unexpected and unpredictable. So things will always happen and will always come up. Um, But for the things that we can control, you have to develop some self-care strategy for that. So for example, if your job is particularly stressful, give yourself an endpoint of on Friday, if you work a Monday through Friday, on Friday evening or on Saturday morning, I'm going to get up and go to an exercise class. So that gives you, that is your strategy to burn off that stress that you have put yourself through Monday through Friday. Just as this is just an example. You want to plan for challenges, right? So again, life is unpredictable and you may start off well, but then kind of peter off because Things happen and your schedule has to change and things you have to be fluid. Right. So that's what I was saying last week about resolutions and why I don't make them, because they do not take into account, in my opinion, they do not take into account the fluidity of what happens in our day to day, week to week, month to month lives. Right. They are just very rigid. And, and, and that and so they don't allow for flexibility. So when you plan for challenges, uh, so for example, if you want to adopt a healthy eating, um, but work gets crazy because this is this is me. Work gets crazy and I can't always eat when I'm at work. I can't always eat at the same time. And by eat, I mean like taking lunch. Right. So sometimes I may be able to eat lunch at 12. Sometimes I don't get to get to lunch till three. But I'm hungry. So I had to adopt a strategy of having granola bars or little cups of peanut butter, just something that I can give myself to temporarily fuel myself. So that way I'm not getting chips and chocolate, you know, those kinds of things. Um, So that's just an example for me of how I plan for the challenges of um, of not being able to eat healthily regularly. Right. The next thing is to determine which activities will bring you joy, will replenish your energy, and restore your balance. And so I'm going to share a personal thing here. Like a lot of my friends ride Peloton, the the bikes. Y'all have seen the commercials. And they seem to be having a good time. You know, they post these things on social media. So there's the FOMO that happens there, right? Um, of, you know, they're having a good time and the instructors are lit and the music is great and they're losing weight and looking fabulous and doing all of these things. And I want to be a part of that, right? Because it looks like it's a lot of fun. But then I have to remind myself that I don't like cycling. So the Peloton thing isn't going to work for me because that is not something that I enjoy. So I have to retool and figure out what works for me what activity brings me joy right um and and i can still encourage my friends who who do peloton and and other and other things you want to start small so remember that i shared with you all last week about how to take larger goals and break them into smaller action steps that give that set you up for a win Right. So when you can accomplish these small things and build on those small things, eventually you do get to your larger goal. You do accomplish the larger goal, but you have given yourself a roadmap as to how to do that. 
And it's the same thing with self-care, right? So you want to start in starting small. You want to start with just one behavior that you want to change or adopt or include into your routine. So it doesn't have to be, um, because imagine how overwhelming it could be to say, I'm going to eat healthy every day, every meal. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to meditate every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to do my journal every day. I am overwhelmed already just with throwing that little scenario out because it's so much to do all at once. Right. So, you know, my anxiety just kind of ratcheted up just in thinking about that, because the truth is we all are already our to do lists are already heavy. Right. So and again, as I said, self-care should not be stress inducing. So when we take things one thing at a time. So, again, going back to assessing your needs, which is the one thing that is top priority for you and let that one thing be the one thing that you start. Right. And you don't have to start by doing it every day. You can say, I am going to do X, Y, Z one day this week. Maybe pick a day. Maybe you want to be fluid and say, as long as I get it done in the week, then, you know, then I've accomplished something. And those little accomplishments, they really do feel good when you're able to do those things. So, like I said, remember, self-care should not be stressful. You want to build up to practicing that behavior more frequently. So if you're, for example, if you're... um, your activity is to exercise and you're doing it once a week, then after that, after that short period of time, you know, give yourself a month. I'm going to do this every day or excuse me, every week, once a week for a month, then maybe set the next month that you're going to do it twice a week. So that way you are developing a habit, but developing it slowly. So that way it is sustainable for you. And then also in that time, in that month's time that you're doing this once a week, you have encountered some challenges and come up with some solutions for that challenge. So that way, going into month two, it is easier for you to adopt that extra day of whatever it is that you want to do. You see how you see how I'm going with that really slow, slow baby steps um, that make things easier. Right. So then here we go. And this is probably, in my opinion, the most important part of adopting a self-care regimen is to reflect on how that activity, whatever it is, how that made you feel. So, again, here comes the self-honesty part. So, like I said, and I'm going to use myself as an example, if I were to say, you know what, I'm going to get on the Peloton, even though I don't enjoy cycling, at some point, I would have to have a sit down with myself and say, you know what, you, you really don't enjoy this. You know that you don't enjoy this and you really should quit trying to convince yourself that you can enjoy this. When there's so many other things that you could do to exercise and be healthy, right? So you have to do that self check in to see what works, what doesn't, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel restored. If this activity is not it. It's not it. And that's okay. Change it because you can. Because as I said in the beginning, self-care is about self. It is about you and you are in charge. You control what you enjoy and what you don't. And if it is not what your group enjoys, that's fine. 
maybe this is also an opportunity to find an additional circle that shares this interest. Nothing wrong with that either. Making new friends is always a good thing, right? So then after you have done this self-reflection and, and made some little tweaks if necessary, you can add additional practices when you are ready. So again, you just go back to step one of assessing your needs. Hopefully, maybe you wrote it down. And so, you know, now it's time you've, you've done this for step one. Now it's time to apply these principles for step two. And for however many um, needs assessments you have on your list, you just keep doing it over and over again. And eventually you have built a self-care practice that works for you, that manifests good things for you, right? Um, and then also the last thing, and this is very important as well, you can get support by sharing with others. And that is one of the good things that I enjoy about social media because I get to share and, and other people get to share with me, um, you know, the good things that are happening in their life. And that kind of brings me joy just in seeing good things happening for other people. But also when I can reach out to the, the groups that I have similar interests with and we can share and, and I can be encouraged and be a source of encouragement as well, because that kind of keeps you going whenever you have that support, when you have someone. Um, so with my fitness journey, I'll call it, um, you know, I have some friends that are on my Apple Watch and I have one friend in particular that whenever I work out, she sends me a little text kind of like, a, you know, you go girl, whatever. And I love that. I, I feel so encouraged that somebody is, is out there encouraging me and, you know, and we're doing that for each other. So, you know, that helps to sustain those self-care habits when you when you share those habits with uh, people who are similarly um, disposed to whatever that activity is. We're going to take a quick break here and come back and wrap up our first talk or I guess our second talk about self-care. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am Dr. Carissa and we'll be right back after a short break. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. Be sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's a good song. I like that station, H-A-P-P-Y. I'm with it. 
That was a little groove there. Okay, anyway, I'm back. Welcome back. You are listening live if you're just tuning in. You're listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and we are talking about developing a sustainable self-care strategy, um, you know, good tips that we can apply to whatever self-care routine um, that we want to that we want to um, to start. And so here we go. I'm just going to go into um, types of self-care. So emotional self-care, positive self-talk. So as you all know, I have a teenage daughter, and this is something that I talk to her about regularly um, and repeatedly, and I know she's probably sick of hearing it. Um, But whenever she comes to me and she has doubts about herself um, or, you know, there's an activity that she hasn't even started and she's already kind of with the with the doubting, um, you know, about how she will do, you know, I always tell her, you know, words are very, very powerful. And what we speak about ourselves and how we speak about ourselves becomes your internal voice. And so it is very, very critical. It is crucial that we speak positively over ourselves, over our lives and over our endeavors. And I truly, truly believe that. Um, And that is one of the the self-cares that I practice of of speaking positively um, and hoping that those words and so far um, those positive words have manifested themselves um, in in very positive ways for me. So that that's one that I definitely um, support. Um, There is you can do a weekly wind down. Not wine, W-I-N-E, but wind, W-I-N-D, down. So, for example, if you work a Monday through Friday, Saturday can be your wind down day or, you know, a day for your wind down activity. It doesn't have to be the whole day because, you know, we've got stuff to do, right? Um, setting boundaries is an emotional self-care. No is a complete sentence. I have said this before. Um, and so if you learn and practice to say no to things that cause you overdue stress um, and don't bring you joy, um, I think that that is a definitely a positive step in the right direction. And, you know, for example, your emotional self-care, because we are social creatures, as as my friend uh, Cal Burlock has said on our Facebook chat, um, and that is very true, uh, weekly meetups with our friends. Now, of course, the pandemic has made that a bit challenging, right? Um, but for every challenge, there is a solution. So, you know, just get creative and, and get with your friends because you need them and they need you. Physical self-care, prioritizing sleep. If you are not resting well, you can't perform well. And this is something that I am learning and trying to figure out how to get better sleep into my life. Um, Adopting an exercise routine that you can stick with. And again, I'm going to share from my own personal page because I want you all to to know, you know, transparency is very important to me and that I'm not just, you know, pontificating this stuff and not living it. Right. Um, Because who needs that? So, you know, I have with my exercise journey uh, tried several times to um, exercise at, you know, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and exercise. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I am not an early morning person. And so that was good for a while and by a while, a month or two. um, But then it fell off. Didn't work for me. Right. So I couldn't stick with that. But uh, and then also, too, you know, now I work in erratic schedule, so I can't work out every Monday morning 
because I may be in a different place in time or even in a different state come Monday morning, right? So, you know, so that doesn't work for me. So, you, you know, you definitely have to adopt an exercise routine that you can stick with because if you don't, then you won't. It's just that simple. Um, skin care is, is a, a physical manifestation of self-care. Uh, you know, taking care of our bodies, taking care of the skin on your face, which is a little bit different, a little bit sensitive um, than, than the other parts. Spiritual self-care. So practicing a religion or spiritual practice um, and doing that on a regular basis. And again, the pandemic has made that a challenge. Um, because for those of us who, um, you know, who attend a church service or were attending a church service regularly, when we could not gather, we could not worship together. And so that has created a challenge. But don't give up on it because hopefully we will be able to do those things again and soon. Uh, spending time in nature. If that's your jam, go for it. It's not mine, but whatever. This isn't just about me. This is about y'all too. Uh, meditation, keeping a gratitude journal, or just even random acts of kindness. Um, you know, so like I have been in the line at, at whatever drive through and you get there to pay and you find out that the person in front of you has paid for your meal. You know, that is just so, so sweet. And then, of course, you can pay it forward by paying for the next person um, behind you. And funny story. So that did happen to me um, that I, um, you know, the person ahead of me paid for mine. And so I decided that I would pay for the car behind me. And the car behind me had like six or seven different orders. And it was an incredible uh, total that it came up to. Um, and I was somewhat shocked, but I had already committed and said that I would do it. So, you know, I just handed the card over and, and there it was. So, you know, and it felt good after the initial pain of, of how much I was going to pay for somebody else's uh, fast food, but whatever. So um, self-care can fit into two categories, temporary or enduring, and both of them are good things. So your temporary is your social activity. So, you know, just going out for dinner with friends. So you're going to feel good um, during that activity, but it's not that feel good isn't going to last. You know, that sensation is going to wear off. Right. Um, and then there are the enduring activities that have lasting and long term effects. So just to share what I am doing in my self-care journey. So here we go. Number one, organizing my time. So I finally got my planner together because I think I was telling you all last week um, that I live and die by my planner and I make my own that is customized to how I like to organize my time. And so, you know, I finally got it together and started using it. And I just feel better because I feel like I have um, a good handle on what my expectations of in terms of my time, what others are expecting of me and what I can expect of myself. Um, I have started not kind of just jumping right into my day so I um, or to my to do list. So when my alarm goes off. I allow myself to hit snooze one time um, and then I just, you know, I don't necessarily go back to sleep, but I just kind of lay there and, you know, think about, um, you know, what my intentions are for the day. Um, just reflecting on yesterday um, and, you know, just being grateful that here I've opened my eyes, I'm breathing, I'm alive um, to see this day. And it kind of has, has set my mindset a little bit differently as to how I go into my day. 
um, I have started reconnecting with friends because, you know, of course, the pandemic, um, you know, really, really, I, I love being sociable. And so the pandemic has really been a struggle um, for me because Zoom has been fine. But, you know, I'm a hugger, so I like to hug my friends and and so on and so forth and go out and, and have good food and, and share and, and do those things. Um, and so, you know, I reconnected with my trivia team, Nerd Alert. I'm a part of a trivia team. So we reconnected, even though we didn't do trivia, but I hadn't seen them in two years physically. I hadn't seen them. And so we went out and walked in the Atlanta Botanical Gardens because they had their garden lights, which was their holiday light display. And they always have something going on. So please check out that website. Um, but it was just really nice just spending time with them. We were outdoors. So, you know, the mass thing wasn't uh, so much of an issue, but it was just so wonderful just to be with them and laugh and and be as we were um, pre-pandemic in a way. Um, I also started playing a word game with a friend of mine and we play over the phone. Uh, she lives in Mississippi. And so, you know, she we, she sends me a puzzle and I complete it and I send it back to her and, you know, we compare and, and talk about the word and how easily or how hard it was um, to get that done. And that has been really, really fun. Um, I have restarted my exercising. So um, I'm walking twice a week and I just pick two days out of the week and say, you know, I'm going to get it done. Now, when I go into the ER, of course, that is a little bit difficult. And so what I have decided to do and what I have been doing, I leave my tennis shoes at work. So I have two pair. I have a pair for home and a pair at work. And I leave that pair at work. And whenever I get a chance, I walk for about 30 minutes just around the parking lot in front of the ER or around the whole hospital if time permits, um, or even just in the halls as time permits. And just to get in a little bit of exercise and, you know, I may do 10 minutes at a time and do that a couple times out of the day, um, depending upon how how busy or not busy um, the ER is. And I found that it's best to do this early in the morning because it is less busy as opposed to in the middle of the day. And so I am anticipating building myself back up to being a runner, uh, which is what I have been in past life. I've done half marathons and I enjoy enjoy that. And I am also looking into new activities. So there are several museum exhibits. I enjoy going to museums. And so I'm looking forward to getting back into looking at those things. And I'm even trying something new. So next month I'm doing a calligraphy class. So I'm, I'm going to try a new skill. And so all of these things have, have sparked joy for me uh, and have taken me out of my doldrum. So real quick before we go, we're going to do our vitamin C. And I just heard this on the radio before I came into the studio. So I'm just going to share this and then, then we'll be done. If you do what's easy, life will be hard. If you do what's hard, life will be easy. I don't know who, who said that, whose quote that is. Um, but I, I thought about that and it's like, yeah, you know, you do have to do the hard things. Um, because if you do the hard things, then everything else, if you do the hard things first, then everything else um, is easier. And it's kind of like that concept of eating the frog, right? So if you do the hardest thing that you have to do first, everything else after that is easy. And so that concludes our show for today. Thank you again so much for joining me on my favorite day of the week. I hope that this has been helpful for you and I look forward to sharing a little bit more for with you next week, God willing. So until we meet again, my friends, 
Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Take care. Thanks for listening. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you.